The following conversation with Dr. Jane Gwynn, internationally known sexologist and author, originally aired on The Point on KPOV 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio. Airing weekdays at 9 a.m., The Point is a half-hour locally produced show focusing on people and events in Central Oregon. In the studio today is Dr. Jane Gwynn, an internationally known sexologist. Uh, She's got a practice here in Bend, and Dr. Jane Gwynn is a world-renowned sex relationship coach who's received her PhD in human sexuality and has worked with hundreds of couples all over the world. She's the author of the best-selling book, Too Busy to Get Busy, and I'm told she's writing another book she'll tell us about later. Welcome to the Friday Point, Dr. Gwynn. That's quite a resume. I am so excited and happy and honored to be here with you, Jackie. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk about this amazing topic of sex. You know, it is, and we were talking before, there's so much we could be talking about, so we know we're going to have you back on. But, you know, let's start with having you tell our listeners, what is a sex therapist or a sexologist, and why did you choose that career? Well, that's the question my mother always wanted to know. She She said to me one time, Honey, you have a beautiful family. Why would you want to do something dirty like that? Oh. (laughs) I know, and I understand that because she came from a different generation, and she felt that sex in some way was either frightening or dirty. But for me, it's just the most interesting and uh, provocative uh, topic that we can engage in as people. The way I found myself here is through the same kind of a journey that lots of women face. I became a mom when I was much younger, And, you know, I lost my sex drive. My husband and I kind of struggled. And as a result of that, I realized that lots of women were facing these types of concerns at perimenopausally. And I ended up getting all sorts of education and eventually my Ph.D. in human sexuality. And it's been such an interesting career. Yeah, it sounds like it. And uh, we will talk about aging and sex. I think that's an important topic. But, you know, let's just first talk about what are some of the sexual blocks that couples face? Well... We are multifactorial beings, and for me, I see sex very holistically. So I created a model, actually, that helps us look at sex through seven different lenses. The body, of course, impacts us, our environment, where we are, is it a sexy place, is it private or not private, our desire, what turns us on, our relationship, are we getting along well, do we have power dynamics, our openness to sex and sexuality, our previous experiences, our emotions affected us, then, of course, orgasm and we want two O's but they're not necessary so O, O in bedroom, this is spelling the word bedroom and then finally mindfulness how does our our mind, our thoughts, how does our showing upness and not being on our head so much, how does that allow me to be a lover for you if I'm in my head or not? So how can I show up in a way that isn't just all in my head thinking about it, spectatoring or wondering if I'm doing it right? So your book titled Too Busy to Get Busy kind of reminds me of my own life because when I'm feeling like really stressed or overwhelmed or just busy in general, you don't feel the need to make time for that intimate time with your partner. So why is that? Because afterwards, when I do make time, I'm like, why don't I do this more often? So what keeps people at bay from doing that? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, when you think about our lives and how busy we are, one of the things I often say to clients is, how long is it typically taking for the two of you to make love or have sex? You know, sadly, the average in the U.S. is five to seven minutes, which is not long enough for a woman to 
feel even remotely turned on. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk more about how we can maintain our own sexual energy and kind of keep our battery charged during the day so we don't have to have a 45-minute, you know, kind of warm-up before we start having sex. For us, uh, our lives are busy, yes, but don't we have a half an hour? Do we have 40 minutes somewhere in the day when we could allow ourselves to be naked and connected and touching each other? Because it's true that for most of us afterwards, we feel like, oh, that was the most amazing thing. Why don't we do that more often? Totally hear you about that. Yes, for sure, for sure. And I was very impressed to see that you're also a yoga instructor because I feel like you get the same type of release after doing yoga as when you get like from having an intimate relationship or contact with someone. Right, and it does have a lot to do with what we do on our mat. So mm -hmm. just showing up on our mat and uh, taking child's pose or savasana might be enough that particular session, that particular time. And same thing for sex. You know, we don't have to have full or real sex, whatever we define that to be, for it to be a beautiful experience. We might just define sex differently, and it might really be something that has to do with just exchanging energy, holding each other, making out. We kind of put ourselves into a box and it's very heteronormative so that it's penetrative. It's always, uh, you know, she comes first. If it's a heterosexual couple, he comes next, which to me is a sexual equ equity issue, which we could talk about another time. But there's so much that we do to put expectations on the sex and we put so much pressure on ourselves to orgasm or to make the partner orgasm or to orgasm in a certain amount of time or a certain position or way that it takes away a lot of the spontaneity and the presence that we could experience that would make it much, much more satisfying. So what I'm hearing you say, and maybe I don't know if this is what I'm hearing you say, but that sex isn't the act of uh, penetration, that it goes back to what it is, is that yeah, famous right. question. <laughs> <laughs> what is sexual intercourse? Is it the penetration or is it the intimacy? Yeah, such a well a well framed question so it does depend on what we as a couple how we define our connection to really first ourselves so like i'm connecting to myself all the way down through myself and bringing myself to you and then you're showing up for me and then we get to it's like a dance. We get to co-create something that works for us. And it might be very different from what we had imagined. And it might be very, very different. It almost always is very different from what we might see in mainstream porn or in the so-called movies. They're always like super hot. There's white sheets. <laughs> they, you know, they're passionately, you know, engaged. Then you can see that the man penetrates her. She has ecstasy, probably orgasms immediately. And then he falls off of her and then they fade out it's like wow that was amazing that's what we've been socialized to expect and that's not real first of all we aren't in the movies there's not the lighting and camera and makeup and so forth but secondly that's just not the that that experience of the instantaneous orgasm for the woman you mm -hmm. know hands free all the time um, he's never giving her oral sex or touching her he's always just having intercourse with her and then she and he's usually like male superior that's the way it seems to be in in hollywood and then um then they're done and she's completely satisfied this isn't what typical couples experience and so we get to in our in our relationship just to decide between us what feels great for us and then just like play with each other so many of my clients talk about wanting to have a playful energy which is by definition low stress we've removed all kind of the script and allowed ourselves to just be in our bodies with each other 
clad, partially clad, all sorts of different ways. So because the movies kind of show more of the men's side or the men's pleasure part of um, sex, do you often have more women as clients or... Is it kind of a fair balance between men and women? I think that we have all been impacted negatively by the culture that defines sex a certain way. Men uh, tend to be very focused on performance. Mm. And interesting that we even use the word performance to describe Mm. male sexual response. Like Mm. performance. I'm up on the stage. Like I have a great erection. (laughs) Ta-da. If I don't have that, yeah, here I am, and it's going to be, you know, I'm going to last such and such a period of time because, of course, you're going to have an orgasm during intercourse, which is not true for many, many women. I don't know. It depends on the statistics that you look at. But you're right that we tend to see, like, this male kind of model in uh, the media, and men do have problems with kind of living up to that standard, so they come to me for that. And women, uh, they express more with sexual shame and oftentimes... Uh, even becoming aversion to sex because they've not had the kind of connection that really serves them. And so they, we are doing, doing sex in a way that doesn't feel good. And we've done it for a long time. And because of that, our body starts to like, shut down for us. And it starts to say, you know, I am, I'm an empowered person. I don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. It becomes kind of an act of resistance. And I really support that because having the sex we hate is not helping us or our partner. No. Mm. Wow. Let's talk about the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Do you think the pandemic had an impact on on couples' sexual lives? They were together all the time. Do you think it either enhanced it or it made it even more difficult? Okay, it made it so much more difficult because in, you know, pre-pandemic, we all knew like we can't make sex make love because we're too busy. So for sure. Like, we're totally too busy. Like, we don't have time. Mm-hmm. So we can't. You know, if we had time, we'd totally be doing that. Like, yeah, we both agreed. <laughs> then we're home. And you know, for a while, we feel pretty busy figuring out Zoom, etc. But at some point, we realize that we got time. And we're not having sex. Mm. And so that... That idea disappeared for us, and we we found out that we were very bored, actually, with the sex. And we had a lack of what's called the perceived obstacle. There's a really amazing equation called the erotic equation. Excitement on one side of the equation is equal to perceived obstacle, so that, that feeling of forbidden fruit can't get it, times attraction. You take away that sense of not being able to get it. This happens for retired people as well and people who have tons of, maybe they're in the van life, they're together constantly, or for whatever reason, the Zoom life, and they have no obstacle. They could have sex any time, any day, and their excitement, sexual excitement, because there's no barrier there, just drops off. So somehow within these long-term committed relationships or where we're very close to each other in time and space, we have to be able to create some distance. So there's some mystery left, Mm, right? Some mystery, not just like, hey, I'll take the recycling out and then you just go get ready. (laughs) Can you go take the pill? I'll take the recycling. You know, I'll meet you in 20 minutes or whatever. And I got to run over to 7-Eleven because we're out of sour cream. (laughs) Whatever. Well, if you just tuned in, we're speaking 
speaking with Dr. Jane Gwynn, and that's spelled G-U-Y-N, in case some of you are thinking, how do I Google or how do I get onto her website? But we'll talk about that later. She's a local sexologist and the author of Too Busy to Get Busy. Before the break, you, you mentioned the seven steps, the bedroom, B-E-D-R-O-O-M, for people who just want to kind of get that in their head. Sure. So it's a way for us, for you, to think about your sex life and think about yourself sexually and kind of wonder. We're always in curiosity, and when we are in curiosity about sex, it helps. So just wondering, are there things about my body that keep me from feeling comfortable sexually? Maybe it's uh, body dysmorphia. It could be sexual pain. It could be some uh, arthritis or other thing that's going on for you. It could be something with erections for you or your partner. Then there's your environment. So where are you making love? What's going on in your uh, your physical place? For example, maybe you have too many dogs in the bed. Happens all the time. Like maybe a crate would be like the answer to your sex life. Then desire. What turns you on? What kinds of things do you find sexy or erotic? Like how can you kind of fuel your own sexual turn on? That might include things like your diet could be impacting your desire as well. There are other things that you can look at in your terms of desire. And then your relationship could be something very conflictive. Maybe you have a lot of power kind of struggles with your partner and it's difficult for you to let go. You might want to. Everything might be online. But in yourself, like you might feel good in your body. You might be environmentally kind of like sexy and hot, but you're upset and uh, with your partner. And then there's openness. Like how are you feeling about being open with that person? And I don't mean uh, having an open relationship, although I talk to a lot of people about that. I mean more like your emotions, your expectations about sex, your experiences, maybe you've had sexual trauma or shame, your orgasm, are you stressing about that? Do you feel like you don't come properly or your partner doesn't have a climax or excitement the way you want him, her, or them to have it? And then finally, what's going on in your head? Are you able to kind of get out of Costco long enough in your head? The Costco list is like a demon in our heads. Like, How can we think? stop thinking about the organic blackberries that we have to get for dessert and have sex instead like we can get the costco thing done later Uh, we don't have to think about it while we're making love so do you have a few like tips and tricks for the everyday couple Mm -hmm. i have three so the first one is to slow down and slowing down means creating some spaciousness inside of yourself and inside of your life so that you have enough kind of exhale and um, to be present with your uh, with your partner, but really slowing down every piece of the sexual experience. So if you think about maybe the first time you made out with your partner and like what they tasted like and how their lips felt on you and how they put their hand behind your head and your hair and like how time slowed down in that moment, just that one kiss. And when you are imagining your last sexual experience, it's likely if you're like everyone I ever talked to that there was a rushed feeling in that moment so slowing down is so important and then the second thing is to show up and when I say show up I mean like be yourself as much as you can we love Halloween the costumes are great but we wear costumes kind of into the bed bedroom with our partner and it's more like putting on sex, uh, being a sex person, doing what we think is going to be hot for them, uh, somehow not really being authentically ourselves. So just showing up as you yourself, like literally naked, not just without clothes. And then um, 
letting go of expectations. Let's talk about orgasm for a second. Letting go of, of having a climax for you or your partner. It doesn't have to happen. Just letting go of the way they do you or the way you do them or whatever, you know, things you think your friend might be doing or have heard of. All of that can just disappear. So if we do those three things to slow down, to show up and let go, so many things just like can fall away and it allows for conversation when that when that's difficult because honestly that is difficult those three things that sound simple Mm -hmm. are uh, much harder than they sound you know i want to talk about aging and sex because when i get together with my girlfriends we used to talk when we were younger about kids and about our husbands and about (laughs) sex and all now we talk about the lack of sex yeah and the lack of sex drive yeah and i was at uh, somewhere where i think you spoke and i think somebody said you know these couples aren't having sex anymore because it's painful Mm -hmm. or they just don't have the desire and how sad that is and i thought wow that's an interesting topic how sad that is Tell us what the challenges are and, and, you know, what we have to think about aging. I mean, if it's painful, if you, somebody, like you said, has an arthritic hip, the mm-hmm. man can no longer be on top, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is it okay for us to just kind of you know, see that in our rearview mirror? I love that question, Jackie. I had someone the other day in my office, they were in their later 70s, both of them, and she said, you know, didn't God just set us up for no sex anymore he gets soft and i get dry right (laughs) like i think it's done yeah but then they also said to me like whenever they make love they they say to to each other that i'd be happy (laughs) because it's not true that it's over you know we go through changes yes but it doesn't mean that we can't still keep connecting as humans and connecting even sexually as as people so if there's a modification to what we're doing and then and that's just like there's a modification to everything we do like you know i don't know i've never been a runner but like i like walking and i you know i watch these beautiful runners here in bend and i'm like great good for you like but that's true for me sexually too i don't think we need to be marathoners as sex people we don't have to be you know doing all the things that they do with their split boards when we're you know in our 60s 70s 80s and possibly beyond i haven't dealt uh, personally worked with people in their 90s but i have friends who've been sexual in their 90s or people's parents who've been sexual in their 90s so it's not like we have to have the same sexual practices that we had when we were younger but the key question you asked was libido the desire to connect sexually and what do we do when we we've lost like the the libidinous desire like that that raw turn on which is more uh something that during our younger years was it was easier to find it and it may not be there anymore maybe what we find now is just a desire to touch and be close and maybe we use coconut oil for lubrication or some other lubricant and maybe he doesn't get an erection but men are still able to have orgasm without an erection and um it's interesting we don't know that i didn't know that yeah (laughs) right well we because we don't talk about that but um men can have orgasm um, with a soft penis and you know if we're having sex with another woman or a they them person you know there's never an erection involved so we always have our hands right we might have some arthritic conditions in our hands but there are also different things to use you know there's so many ways to be creative again going back to curiosity and just the desire to be together to exchange energy and to allow it to be whatever it is today and just kind of letting go of what our expectations were 
and letting it still be in the good enough category. Mm. Okay, so maybe turning it back to maybe my generation, mm-hmm. I see people struggling with a lot. Is just the the hookup culture these days, and how that's maybe different from different generations and how does that affect people in their intimate lives oh my goodness it's so powerful and and i must say and not in necessarily a good way for a lot of women who've been in the hookup culture they feel like they've misused themselves i don't oftentimes well people do describe non-consensual sexual experiences they've had that have been difficult but they're more often it's they've been in consent but not completely. So they've said yes to something that didn't that they didn't deeply desire or they were under the influence. And so they did it in quotes mm-hmm. and it felt like it was kind of abusive to their being, to their sexual being. And now it's harder for them to continue. So it's really a reset as well. So letting go of the past and then finding what really is arousing and feels grounded and connected to you now and that might be something really different it might be something very slow it might be something really tender well you know we could go on and on and i know you're going to be back with us so um in the one minute that we have uh, tell us uh how people can get in touch with you what's on your website just anything you feel like uh, people should know sure so i'm at howtofixmysexlife.com easy yep and the thing to do is to go there or you can also find me at jane gwynn and you would find my website there so it's g-u-y-n and when you get there what i'd invite you to do is to take the bedroom blueprint quiz, which will give you a sense of where you might be getting kind of stuck in one of these seven different areas. You can also find me um, and do a virtual coffee with me. I'd love to talk with you about yourself, your sex life, whatever's happening. Just get in my calendar and we'll have a chat and I'll probably be drinking coffee. You don't have to be drinking coffee. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jane Gwynn, for being on the point this morning and really sharing some important information with Mm. our listeners. It was a pleasure and an honor. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information on our shows and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback and would love to hear from you. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.